Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monticelli, the host of this podcast, Let's Talk Soul. Over the years, after having interviewed so many people on so many different topics, I realized that what interested my audience wasn't really the individual topics per se, but was how it impacted them, how it touched their soul. So I'll invite you all to lay back, put your feet up, and if you like what you hear, leave a review, five-star review. I'd appreciate that. So just enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode. And today, my guest is a Renaissance man, a true Renaissance man. That's the only way I can describe him in a few words. Tom Cronin, say hello to our guest, Tom. Hey, it's great to be here. That is the first time I've been introduced as a Renaissance man, so I'll take it for <laughs> yeah, sure. Good, good, I would. <laughs> it, was a, it was a compliment. <laughs> and he's speaking to us from um, Australia, so there's quite a time difference, but there's no time lag, it seems. Now, what is he on about? Uh, Tom spent 20, you have to follow me with this because it has. there's a meandering road here. Tom spent 26 years in finance markets as one of Australia's leading bond and swap brokers. And I, you know, I immediately saw a tennis game. <laughs> boom, 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 with a t- bond and swap. So we'll have to, I don't want you to talk about that, but uh, not all of us know what a swap broker is. Um, he discovered meditation in the early stages of his career, which is interesting. When the anxiety and chaos he was experiencing had hit a crisis point and it completely transformed his life, his world, both personally and professionally. He's the founder of the Stillness Project, which is a global movement to inspire one billion people to sit in stillness daily. And, you know, before I go on, this is a real challenge for someone like me who is constantly on the move. So I understand where you're coming from. He's passionate about reducing stress and chaos in people's life, lives. He's um, His ongoing work in transformational leadership, coaching, and corporate training has seen him working with some of the top companies in the world like Amazon, uh, Qantas, USB, and Coca-Cola. He's spoken on stage at conferences and events like Ad News Summit, AFES, Wanderlust, and so many more. And he has six, one, two, three, four, five, six, I said six published books, a meditation app, and produced the hit film, The Portal. Now, I'm going to start from the last. Is that okay with you, Tom? Go for it. Okay, yeah, so I'll, what's I'll the I'll go portal? anywhere, anywhere you go. <laughs> what's The Portal all about? Yeah, I wanted to showcase to the world the power of meditation and mindfulness. And we were going to showcase it not through men in white lab coats talking about the science of meditation, but to show it through personal stories. So we filmed six very diverse stories that have all been through crisis. Well, people, six people. Yeah, sorry, six Mm people's stories. Yeah, and and how they had been through crisis. They've been through immense challenges. Some people... Uh, you know, one of them had suffered uh, an extreme stroke. Uh, one had broken her back in a big jump that was about to go to the Olympics. One was a Vietnamese refugee uh-huh. that was con- contemplating suicide. So very diverse stories. Mm. And they overcame their tragedies, their challenges, their difficulties using mindfulness and meditation. So The Portal is a film and book experience 
that takes you along an incredibly um, beautiful emotional journey of these very beautiful stories and shows how meditation is a powerful force to help us transform and grow. Mm-hmm. So you have a, your own family, wife, and, you know, children mm-hmm. and all of that. And so when this crisis hit you, were you with that? Were you in a context of a family life still? Yeah, I was It was going back many years. Uh-huh. Um, it was about 26 years yeah, ago yeah. that I had what would be considered technically a nervous breakdown. So okay. I was um, sent to doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, right. put on mm-hmm. medication, suicide watch. Mm-hmm. was in a pretty bad way. Uh, I was with my partner at the time, who's now my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I since then have had two children. Um, uh-huh. So it was pre-children. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was a, a real game changer when I found meditation. And so that's um, my life in a big way. When you hit bottom, you can't, you know, you can mm-hmm. only look up. Okay. And that, it, that's right. You know, yeah. We've all been there. And mm-hmm. it's very common, as a matter of fact. It, it, but what's not common is the way you come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, have you left your bond and swap business behind? And I'm joking. I'm laughing about it. But you please tell us, what is a swap broker? Yeah, it's a um, it's an instrument or a sort of um, a, I guess, a financial product right. that people trade. Uh, ah. So we trade shares in companies. Uh-huh. We trade mortgage-backed securities, we trade bonds, which are government bonds, corporate bonds, semi-government bonds, and swaps is also a financial instrument oh, okay. for, um, that you can actually buy and sell. Okay. And now today you have nothing more to do with that business? All gone. Well and truly previous lifetime Are ago you now. telling us the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I can absolutely, if there was a Bible and I swear on it, I would be swearing on that. Yeah, for sure. That's um my my world now is coaching and meditation. And why I ask is because I recently met a gentleman um from the UK and he told me, he said, you know, oh, about 25 years ago, my daughter came home with a CD when we had CDs then. And it was she was in university and it was all about uh the financial market and how to trade and how to invest. And I have made my life doing that and he loves it Mm. and i thought to myself well is it possible to love that kind of work where you sit and because the way he described it is what you are describing um in terms of meditation and stillness because he said to me you have to be patient you have to wait and you have to see and understand and most people don't do that um is is he crazy or does that sound familiar to you or does that is that something that could have helped you back then yeah absolutely i mean the world's greatest hedge fund manager and trader yeah a man called ray dalio yeah. from bridgewater associates yeah um is managing 190 billion dollars worth of assets and uh-huh. he tweeted mm-hmm. the key ingredient to whatever success he's had is meditation. Uh-huh. So okay. um, meditation gives us greater clarity, yeah. greater insight and greater intuition mm-hmm. into making better decisions. Mm. Tom, I, I know that there are many forms of meditation. There are many mm. uh, speeds of meditation. There are many um, flavors uh, of meditation. Is that is that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's an app called Inside Timer. I think it's like eight thousand different meditations. Your app, or uh, no, it's another app mm-hmm. called Inside Timer, and they mm-hmm. have I think something like ten thousand meditations on there. So yeah, um, I put meditation into four categories, but yeah, there's m- many different ways to meditate. Uh huh. And um, you 
um, have an app here that um, I spoke about, a meditation app, and you just said you group them in four different. Um, mm. Can you, I mean, do you want to give us a sort sure. of a, a little peek into that? <laughs> yeah. And what's the, the name? Categories what's of, the name of the app? Um, yeah, well, the app at the moment is uh, it's taking a techn technological break yeah. uh, or technical break. Yeah. Um, but there are four different types of meditation that I tend to compartmentalize yeah. all meditations into is we have contemplation meditation. Uh -huh. That's where we're being guided. We're contemplating our chakras or gratitude right. or visuals, mm -hmm. visualizations, intentions. So we have activity in the mind. We're yeah. thinking. Um, we have concentration meditations. That's where we're concentrating on one particular point. We're trying to focus the mind on this the breath or the third eye mm -hmm. or a candle. So it's about trying to force the mind to focus on one thing. Yeah. And the mind doesn't want to do that. So it requires a lot of discipline and it's uh -huh. quite uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But most people with a concentration meditation would be focusing on the breath. Mm -hmm. And then we have chanting meditations. That's ah. where we might be chanting out loud, like um, Nam Myoh Heng Renge Kyo mm -hmm. or um, whatever on the mm -hmm. things like that mm -hmm. and then we've got the transcending meditations which is what i teach and what i've been practicing and that's things like vedic meditation or tm or primordial sound and what is that how, how is that different from the other three yeah the beautiful thing about the transcending meditation which is the one that i have chosen to use and the one that i chose yeah. to teach because of its effectiveness yeah and its simplicity yeah. it's incredibly potent and effective but very simple and we use a particular primordial vibration or sound yeah. called a mantra. Yeah. And that mantra has a quality in it to take the mind from the external world where it naturally yeah. goes due to its lure for excitation right. into the inner world where yeah. it moves away from excitation into de-excitation. And it, it's such a compelling proposition for the mind mm -hmm. to follow the lure of this mantra, this sound. Yeah that eventually it becomes so close to the sweet nectar and bliss of mm -hmm. pure consciousness. That's where there's no thought that it spontaneously surrenders the mantra and it transcends, the mind will transcend. At that okay. Point. So you said it takes it, it takes you to pure consciousness. Is that what I, I heard yeah. that right? That's right. All right yeah. Now this opens a can of worms for me. Um, mm. it, I had a, an interview. I interviewed a guest who, who was all about consciousness and we ag agreed together uh, in saying that you could talk until there's the expression, the American expression, until the cows come home about mm -hmm. consciousness and no, no one will ever agree. Um, can I ask you, and I know this is a, a, a this is a terrible thing, <laughs> but what is your take on consciousness? Your feelings today i know that will change in future probably but uh what is consciousness for tom cronin yeah i think the best thing to do is to get clear on what type of consciousness consciousness you're uh -huh. talking about because we have uh we have the thinking conscious mind uh -huh. we have the subconscious mind and then we have the pure conscious mind mm -hmm. so we need to make sure we have this sort of almost like an adjective beforehand to describe the consciousness uh -huh. that we're talking about uh-huh so pure consciousness is conscious awareness that is not having any form of thinking yeah. in the field of consciousness. So it's like the blue sky with no clouds in it whatsoever. Okay. Now, the thinking conscious mind is the mind of being awake and uh, I'm obviously awake, I'm conscious, yeah. but I'm having thoughts that are continuously and consistently moving across that field of my conscious right. awake mind. Mm -hmm. And so why we call it pure conscious in that it doesn't have any polluting thought processes 
in that field of awareness. And we have, it's like saying the blue sky is always there. It's just that more often than not, there's clouds in it. Mm -hmm. And those clouds will change the nature and the quality or the structure of the, of the sky. And so now we have clouds in the sky as opposed to sky. And so pure consciousness is conscious awareness where there's just awareness, just presence in this moment. There's nothing else but pure awareness in this moment. Mm -hmm. And there's no thoughts. And as soon as a thought appears, now the thought will disturb or change the nature of pure consciousness. It's now almost polluting it in some way mm -hmm. by putting a thinking um, process over the top of pure consciousness awareness. Okay. Okay. So until we access pure consciousness, we call this in Sanskrit Turiya. Mm -hmm. Until we access Turiya, we're going to have a very limited experience of what life truly is because it's going to be affected or influenced by your thinking mind. And that's not a true reflection of what life is. Okay. I'll accept that as given. I might come back to that. Um, it, it, why did you choose this uh, transcendental form of meditation for your work? Look, I'd done a lot of research into meditation. I tried so many different techniques. Mm -hmm. A lot of them I found very wishy-washy. They weren't uh -huh. really getting to the point. They were very uh -huh. uncomfortable. And I didn't really find that I was getting a lot of benefits out of it. Yeah. The science, um, first and foremost, that was supporting this particular style of meditation was beyond any other form of meditation that I was researching. It yeah. was quite phenomenal mm -hmm. amount of science and studies that were backing the incredible impact that it was having. Secondly, um, there was simplicity in the technique. The technique is incredibly simple and incredibly blissful and charming. It was very easy for me to go, well, I actually like doing that because it's very enjoyable. There's yeah. a lot of bliss in the process. Mm -hmm. And finally, the main thing that really, I think, was the, the sealer in the deal was that by simple pure experience, it was phenomenally transformational. Uh, it, it turned my life around. Can you give me an days. example? Mm, sure. So the main thing that I noticed within um, the first few days yeah was my ability to fall asleep. Uh, I had the most chronic insomnia, which was okay. off the charts, insane. Mm -hmm. um, it's capacity to move the body out of the sympathetic nervous system state and into the parasympathetic nervous system state through the repetition of that mantra and putting yourself into pure consciousness. The level of physiological rest mm -hmm. is four times deeper mm -hmm. than sleep and much, much deeper than any other form of meditation. So that accessibility to that level of depth in physiological rest and activation of the parasympathetic nervous system was reversing a lot of my addictions, my anxiety, my insomnia, my depression. Mm -hmm. um, we can't really treat depression whilst we have a stressed nervous system and physiology mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because the biochemical makeup will mean that you're depleted of the biochemicals of serotonin and oxytocin, which are the biochemicals we need to actually not feel depressed. If we don't have those biochemicals in our body and we have lots of cortisol and adrenaline, by default, we will feel depressed. I'm sorry to interrupt, so to... Um, Tom. You're talking mm -hmm. about biochemicals. And what do you mean? Biochemicals. Oh, so, oh, okay. Biochemicals, oh, biochemicals. Okay. I, I didn't get yeah. the O there. Okay, sorry. sorry. I speak too quickly as an Aussie <laughs> and we drop things all the time. Like we try to shorten thing everything as much as possible. <laughs> so biochemical is a biological chemical in the body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Now we've, we've danced around a lot of different topics, uh, you know, mm -hmm. about your work. And at the very end, I will ask you to just give us a list of all of those books that you've written because it's mm -hmm. important, but um, we, we have uh, sort of scratched the surface on what spirituality is uh, mm -hmm. when we talk about meditation and the notion or construct of God. Now, mm. I they are linked, perhaps, but can we separate them? And can I ask you to uh, 
address spirituality as not disjointed from meditation, but what is spirituality today? Mm, such a good question. Mm. I think um, we've got to take it into context of what is reality. Yeah. And in the Vedic worldview, we see reality being expressed through many layers. And so we have, a f- so let's just take water. So water can be ice, yeah. which is the densest form of water. Yeah. Water can be water, yeah. which is less dense than ice, but still fairly dense because I can tangibly quantifiably see water. Uh-huh. Water can be steam, which means I can still see steam, but it's less dense than water. Mm-hmm. And water let's just call it h2o mm-hmm. h2o can be ice it can be water it can be steam mm-hmm. but it can also be vapor and vapor's unseeable what's the it's difference between steam and vapor so when water is going from a puddle mm-hmm. to a cloud the transition from the puddle to the cloud means it has to actually move from the puddle to the cloud right now we don't see that right. movement that's of vapor. the water going mm-hmm. from the that's vapor right mm-hmm. so it's unseeable and that's like spirituality so we have physical we have a physicality yeah we have an emotionality, yes. so that's our, our physical feeling body, that's our emotions. We have a mentality. That's well, wait, our wait, 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 I, I think I would, sorry to interrupt, but we have mm. a physicality, but we have a mental mm. body and an emotional body as well. That's right. If I'm touching yeah, my, my meat suit as as a, a, a so, guest to mention. So, that's, so there so are three sort of, yeah, emotionality yeah, and mentality. Men- mentality, mm-hmm. emotions, mental, and emotional, physicality. Mm-hmm. and physical. Mm-hmm. But we also have spiritual. So that's our, our, our fourth layer mm-hmm. uh, of reality. Now it's formlessness. So spirituality is the formlessness, the timelessness, the eternality, the permanence. And we identify our most densest aspect of ourselves more than anything which is our physical Mm -hmm. then our emotional what we feel and then our mental what we kind of think Mm -hmm. but what most of the world is ignoring at this stage because it's just not that very obvious or very easy to find and that's our spirituality and that's the realm of um being or presence or um existence beyond the physical mental and emotional body and that's why the transcending meditations are so important because we need to be able to access i'm going to take that spirituality and bring it down Mm -hmm. to the earth now Okay, mm. because spirituality means a lot of things. It's just not an upper mm. upper layer. Uh, when I, if I, let's say that I'll use spiritual as an adjective, okay? And I have 10 friends and I see what they do every day and I see how they act. All right, I interrupted you because I was, I thought that the spirituality side to our life was being, you know, put up way, way high. And I wanted you, if you could, address the idea of a spiritual being, a a person acting spiritually at a day-to-day level when they encounter people, when they do certain things. Is this a a possibility for you? I would Um, shift the terminology slightly. I would, uh, rather than determining whether someone's acting spiritually, Mm -hmm. I would assess whether they're acting consciously. But okay. what we could assess is, are they having a spiritual experience as well as a physical, mental, and emotional spiritual, uh, as a physical, mental, and emotional experience? Okay. So okay. what we want to have is a whole, because you might look at someone like, let's just say Russell Brand. Now I watched Russell Brand on stage and that man is I don't even know who that is. Who oh, he's is an Russell English. Brand? Russell Brand is a very, very well uh, established known. actor and uh, known, I guess, thought leader in the world today. He's got a very okay. Okay, I will have um, to go look him up. Go ahead. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> and so he's um he's very flamboyant and extroverted and expressive yeah. and he's kind of a bit of a, a wild man, but 
um, he's also very, very spiritual and he yes. has a very spiritual relationship uh, with life itself. Now, okay. if I was to look at him from an observer that doesn't understand anything about Russell Brand, just watched him on stage, you right. wouldn't be able to assess whether he's acting spiritually. Um, I don't think we can make that assumption of someone. We could but ask whether he's acting consciously. Is he an actor? A, a, what, what does he do? Uh, he's a speaker, comedian, an okay. actor, and okay. a podcast okay. host. Yeah. Okay. So, but so he's very, very has a very developed meditation practice and very spiritual I see. practice. Yeah. I see. No, I was thinking more in terms of how people interact, mm. how they, um, you know, they they think of the way they think, like you're saying, consciously, when they want to approach another person in love, uh, because. When we talk of spirituality, to me, that's on a par of unconditional love. And that, to me, can be brought down to earth, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. You know, even it's so easy for us to, as humans, um, have a perception or an idea about someone based yeah. upon the way they're behaving and make yeah. judgment on that. And I always come back to Jesus Christ, who, without doubt, was one person who walked the planet that really embodied unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Yet he flipped tables. Uh, he was pretty pissed at times with yeah, the way sure. things were being done. So, mm -hmm. um, someone might say, well, he's definitely not in unconditional love because sure. he gets angry, but he, sometimes that wrath can be actually inspired by love as well. So right. it's very hard for us to observe someone in a particular moment, um, and have an idea as to whether they're spiritual. I don't think it's up to us to really make that decision. I think it's really up to each individual to determine whether you're having some access yes. to your own spiritual um, yeah. reality or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, having mentioned uh, Jesus Christ, let's get down to the notion of God, a God, the God. Um, so many people, uh, I, I'm a psychic medium, so and on my YouTube channel, I often um, uh, channel uh, spirits past and many of the questions that come in from people who are with me live ask about God does God exist what is God uh, and you know it's a difficult question to broach um, especially in a, a, an interview of this kind what do you think would you be willing to touch it of course yeah it's such a okay. beautiful discussion I grew up with a very strong Catholic upbringing uh -huh. um, every room in our house has a crucifix with Jesus on it. Uh -huh. um, we have wonderful um, images of Mary around the house. Uh -huh. And I went to church every week. We did uh, grace before dinner every night and we did the rosary during Lent. Uh -huh. So I had a very strong relationship um, with Jesus and with, with God as a child. I, I, had, I uh -huh. embraced my own personal prayer a lot. There and... was never any crisis uh, about that at all in your life? crisis with in the terms of a religious quite questioning um, um no it was always validated through my own personal experience as a child okay. um uh -huh. i had prayers responded to a lot uh -huh. that really deepened my faith in in god okay. and god's existence mm -hmm. so i think it's one of those things it's a very personal journey for people right. i don't think there's a right or wrong i think it comes right. down sure. to partly your possible um, environment that you're brought into um yeah. that there was just an innate sense of faith within the house um, yeah. but that was something that I really let go of for quite a long time for 10 years. Yeah. I, I yeah. really dropped all spirituality. I dropped all religious, um, relationship and, and practices. And that was in my twenties. And that was actually when I had my darkest times in my life. Now the ah. full circle sort of went when I came out of that dark period of my life in my twenties mm -hmm. 
And I found meditation. And when I found meditation and the ability to transcend and actually then access, let's just call it for this point of this conversation, a God mm -hmm. in the realm of mm -hmm. transcendence. Um, and some will call that spirituality. Some will call that divinity. Yeah. We can call it the higher self or the supreme being, a right. number of different things. But there was, it was like, oh, this is not a concept anymore. This mm -hmm. is an experience. Right. Um, and so for me, being able to transcend physical, mental, and emotional identity and vehicle mm -hmm. um, is a really important part of our union and communion with God, I think. Mm -hmm. So you very, very interestingly circled the topic without giving me a <laughs> direct so well, That's why you're here, to that. try and rein me back in. Yeah. What's yeah. the question? And I'll answer. Uh, all right. Well, the question is, um, <laughs> your, your reply was God is an experience. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that correct? Am I yeah. getting that right? Okay. So uh, imagine that people are listening to you, which they are, and they'll, they're scratching their head now. What does he mean? It's an experience. Of course, the experience of transcending, but then that means there is no God. It is an experience that you yourself have, which is a physical, mental, and emotional experience. Those are the only, I mean, a soul incarnates to have experiences and deal with emotions. But in that sense, in, in, in pointing to God, it changes the way religion, most established religions, institutionalized religions, mm. um, point to God and uh, represent God. Um, so, so I'm not seeing your uh, your Catholic uh, religion background, religious background. Of course, I understand the the the, the route was uh, quite meandering to what where you are today. But we're still scratching our head about then why what is God? Mm. You know, I guess if 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 I had this um, incredible discussion with a taxi driver once, ah, um, who, and, <laughs> it was uh, a long trip. <laughs> it, it was a fascinating trip. He actually stopped, and and we we paused for about half ah, an hour at the end of the journey. Okay. Okay. And it was around the the idea of an omnipresent God because he believed in yes. a God that was a supreme being that he prayed to as a right. poorly sort of human, and hopefully that God will will help him in some way, shape, or form. He was of a particular origin, which I won't share at the moment, but uh -huh. it's irrelevant really. It's just the idea that he was separate from God. And uh -huh. I said, but do you do you subscribe to the idea of an omnipresent God? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Of course, God must be omnipresent. I said, well, if God is omnipresent, then God must include you because exclusion of you in the idea of omnipresence means that it's not omnipresence. So when we subscribe to the idea of an omnipresent, omnipotent, that's all powerful, an omniscient or knowing God, and omnipresent, which must include you, it's just that there's a part of you that is yet to realize that. And in our evolutionary phase, our evolutionary sequence yes. that we're in, as currently a, a, you know, a, a few steps along from, a, from an amoeba or a bacteria yeah. or a fungi, I just so happen at this point in time in the evolutionary cycle of realizing my omnipresence and omnipotence and omniscience, that um, most of my time I'm identifying with my human experience, which is my emotional, okay. mental, and physical. However, as we start to develop our ability to transcend and become one with that omnipresent God and be realized in that omni omnipresence, then we start to have a godlike experience.
Okay. A godlike experience. Is it, um, based on what you said, can I say, since God is omnip, omnip, omnipresent, omnipresent. Um, we have God in us. Through us. In us. Through us. us. Yeah. Through us, in us, and around us. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that, <laughs> Mr. Cronin. <laughs> now let's get on to the good stuff. Your books. When did you when did your first book book come out? Um, I think the first book I wrote was uh The Path to I, Peace, which I, is he said, I think the first book I wrote. <laughs> There's a memory problem here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um it was a long time ago. Okay. And I live a lot in the now, so things that happened even uh -huh. yesterday, I find kind of okay. So, so do you remember ways. more or less when that could have been? It was about eight years ago, and it was a book called okay. Path to Peace. Okay. And Sorry? it's about say, say it's it called again, Path please. Path to Peace. Path to Peace. Okay. Uh huh. And it explores the dynamics of evolution and oh, how okay. these three forces of evolution play uh -huh. out at any given time in our life, mm -hmm. and when we can start to identify which force is currently playing out right. in our life. We can mm -hmm. move through that process and that's the destructive, okay. the maintenance and the creation force. Okay. And so now we're on book number two, uh, try yeah. to focus. What, what book is that? Could you remember uh, the title? Yeah, I, I wrote a book after that one called Spirit and Soul, which is exploring the seven states of consciousness. Good. Now look, this is um, a man after my own heart. So it's spirit and soul. Is that the title? Mm. Yeah. What brought you to write about that? Because you I wanted, wanted to, share... to consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to share with the world an insight that I discovered that was very illuminating for me. That is that there has, uh, in each and every human, the uh, p potential and possibility to experience yeah. seven states of consciousness. And the cause of mm -hmm. most of our suffering is that we are yeah. ignoring or limiting our ability to experience these very advanced states of consciousness, which are um, cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, and unity consciousness. Okay, so we got book number two, moving forward in time. So more or less, we have about a year, every 14 months, a book comes out, if you're talking about eight years ago, right? So mm -hmm. then? I wrote a book called, um, with my wife, with my wife in collaboration called Missy Moo Meditates, and it was a Sorry? children's book. What Missy Moo Missy Moo. Ah, Missy Moo, it's a children's book, I see. Yeah. <laughs> And it's about uh, Missy Moo and her sister Boo, and Missy Moo is teaching her sister Boo how to meditate. Ah, oh, how cute. That's cute. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Um, then we have four, book number four. I wrote a book called Faster, Deeper Sleep, which was a book, um, which is really a self-help guide on how to... A faster, um, deeper sleep? Yeah, which is just strategies and systems that I use to overcome insomnia that I put into a book. Uh-huh. Okay. And then I think we're at the last one, aren't we? Or no? A couple more. We've got Faster, Deeper, Calm, which is a book on Sorry? overcoming. Faster, fast... Deeper, Calm. Okay. Yeah. Overcoming anxiety. Mm -hmm. So how to reduce anxiety and panic in your life without using medication. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is The Portal, which came out with a film. Ah, okay. Now, when you first wrote The Portal, what was your intention? Uh, was it to talk about these six people? What yeah, the intention. The, yeah, the intention ahead. was actually to make the film. Uh, that yeah. was the starting point. I wanted to sort of follow in the footsteps of the secret and make a film that was a very powerful ninety-minute expose into the power of meditation. It was beautiful with nice music and nice storytelling mm -hmm. and emotional experiences. Um, and in the book, we extracted from the transcripts of the interviews um, ah, okay, from okay. the film. So we'd made the film uh -huh. first, 
and then we took the transcripts and then we compiled those transcripts with some additional mm -hmm. um, insights from Jackie, the director, and myself, uh -huh. who co-created the film together. Mm -hmm. So this uh, came out when? Uh, that was in 2019. Okay, 2019. And with that, I can say I will include uh, this links to your social mm. media in the description of this uh, video or audio episode. And the Renaissance man, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Cronin, thank you so much for joining us. I hope to what have What a delightful conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Don't go away. I want to talk to you. And I will uh, hope, I do hope, if there is n another book number seven, we can again talk. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thank you for having me.